Hello and welcome. You're listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard. Thank you for joining us for another segment. We're going to be having a conversation with Dr. Alyssa Marco. She's joining us here from Cortica Healthcare, and she's going to talk with us about her experience working with youth living with ADHD and new approaches for treatment, including brain training with digital therapeutics. Welcome to Health Professional Radio. Alyssa Marco, thank you for joining. Thanks so much for having me, Neil. Dr. Marco, if you would, please give us a little bit of insight into your area of expertise and talk about your role there at Cortica Healthcare. I am, I think, what is generally termed a cognitive and behavioral child neurologist, which essentially means that I take care of kids from birth until really until they no longer need my help with anything that has to do with their brain, essentially, and um, with a focus, a specific focus on how kids think, learn, and also some of their behavior. And so things like um, cognitive um, control or attention challenges, hyperactivity certainly falls into that, challenges with language and social skills that lead to labels like autism can also fall Um, broadly into um, my domain, but also things like seizures and headaches and um, some of the more general neurology conditions. And I get to do a few different things. I certainly get to do um, one of the things that I love the best, which is take care of kids um, with my clinical role at Cortica. And then I also get to do uh, research with um, both my role at Cortica as well as as a research associate at the University of California, San Francisco. And I primarily use brain imaging and genetics as well as some direct assessments to try and understand the genetics and brain networks of how kids think and behave. Is it an easy task to identify ADHD and other neurodevelopmental conditions in children? Do you have to wait until they're a certain age for a diagnosis to be made? That is such a great question. And the answer to all great questions is it depends. Mm. And the reason why it depends is because there are some individuals that have fairly pronounced challenges with attention, hyperactivity, and those children present pretty early and pretty clearly mm-hmm. as being sort of under the, um, under the diagnostic umbrella of ADHD, sometimes ADHD with an inattentive uh, sort of predominance, sometimes ADHD with a hyperactivity predominance, and sometimes what we call ADHD combined type, which has um, features of both. In general, I would say you have an inkling of it coming into elementary school, and then by elementary school, it's um, a, a generally a fairly clear-cut diagnosis. There are um, important pieces of it. There is a parent report piece, a teacher or school report piece. It has to be validated by a clinician and making sure that there isn't another reason that's contributing to the difficulties like sleep apnea or um, a specific correctable metabolic condition like a thyroid disorder. And if you're still on the fence, because like all things, um, uh, the, a, a cognitive um, predisposition is sometimes not, not clear cut or extreme, you oftentimes may want to do some additional direct attention of a child's ability to sustain attention, select what's important to cognitively switch sets from one task to another and get back as well as impulsivity. And that can be tested um, fairly routinely. um, And it's not that challenging to do. It just takes the time and expertise to do it. 
In my mind, any medications, any special training, whether they're in a, a center solely for neurodevelopmental uh, conditions or whether they're in regular school, but they have a special teacher and they go to a special class. I consider that to be treatment. Have we been doing the same treatments pretty much generally for quite a while? And have there been any new developments in recent years for treating ADHD and some of these other uh, conditions that we're discussing? Absolutely. So I, I completely agree. In, in my way of thinking clinically, there's sort of four approaches to treating cognition and behavior. The first is environment. And I think that falls into what you're um, thinking of in terms of things you can do at school, things that you can do at home in order to be able to support a child's attention. Um, things like seating near the teacher, being able to help a child sort of with checklists and walking through different processes and so behavioral approaches that are um, ever evolving but super important and where you should always start, whether you're going to school at home via Zoom or going to school in a classroom, thinking about what can be done for the environment in order to limit distraction and also sort of pull up the salience of the information that's coming to the child is going to be a really good place to start. Um, other things that can be used to support the environment, um, different kinds of seating, uh, different uh, making sure that kids um, are kind of comfortable in their clothing and things like that are going to be important. So the environment is the first piece, and the behavioral strategies should always come first. The next is arousal, thinking about diet, sleep, exercise as ways to kind of tune the system. And then the place where there's both sort of a lot of um, uh, tools that have been used historically and the newest tools is what I think of as training the brain. Mm -hmm. And so many of our clinical um, community colleagues have been doing things to help train the brain um, for a long time in, um, in the therapeutic practices. But one of the more novel approaches has come about in the last couple of years with digital brain training. Mm -hmm. So um, th these are sort of uh, smart designed, almost video game like approaches where a child is doing something or an adult, because a lot of these approaches started in an older adult population. And you're basically practicing skills of sustained attention, selective attention, shifting set back and forth. And that can make a difference, um, as we've seen in some of the research we've done in whether a child meets criteria for ADHD or after four weeks of training doesn't continue to meet the diagnostic criteria for ADHD. Talk a bit to what a patient can do or a parent can do if their doctor's just unfamiliar with some of these new techniques, some of these new approaches to treating ADHD and other neurodevelopmental conditions. So one of the brain training tools that I'm the most familiar with is one that's called Endeavor RX. And essentially it is now a prescribable treatment <sighs> for ADHD, and as a, as a physician, all I need to do is actually send a prescription to a, um, to a particular pharmacy that's called Phil, and, um, and so the best way to be able to get acquainted with Endeavor RX or other tools for brain training is really the internet, but Endeavor RX is pretty easy to spell and to find on the web, and, um, and I found that in general in my practice, the kids um, not only get better from it, um, but also to enjoy it, which is a is a win win um, as a clinician and I think as a parent. 
Are there any web resources that you can give to our listeners to learn more? So I always find WebMD to be a great resource for general information as well as some specifics. And then up to date, um, I think for clinicians is a really a really good resource for um, for ADHD and ADHD treatment. Well, Dr. Marco, I appreciate you joining us here on Health Professional Radio. Thank you for taking the time this evening. It's appreciated. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard, in conversation with Dr. Alyssa Marco. Audio copies of this program are available at hpr.fm and healthprofessionalradio.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, listen in, download at SoundCloud, and be sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Health Professional Radio.